Hello and welcome to You Really Shouldn't Have, with me, James Warwick. The podcast where each episode I sit down with a different guest as we discuss their career and unwrap a story on the worst gift they've ever been given. Joining me on this episode is BBC Radio 1's Matt Edmondson. Matt stopped by to discuss his career, a brand new set of board games he's created, his new podcast project, and of course, he unwraps the story on the worst gift he's ever been given. Matt, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Oh, James, what a treat. It's a delight to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. At the time we're recording this, you've got to be up pretty early in the morning as well. So <laughs> I really appreciate yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm covering the Radio on Breakfast show tomorrow. I'll be honest, when we booked in this chat, I didn't realise I was doing the breakfast show tomorrow. Um, but it's fine. I, you know, I've always been a bad boy and a rebel. So having a slightly late <laughs> night is fine by me. I really appreciate you being here. So if we go right back to the beginning, Matt, was sort of TV, radio, media, was that always sort of the ambition from an early age? Yeah, I guess so. I can't remember ever wanting to do anything else. And it wasn't as broad as that when I was a kid. What I specifically wanted to do was the continuity links. So that's the bits between shows on CBBC, because that was kind of the only telly that I was exposed to. But in my childhood, coming home from school, watching... CBBC and it rolling straight into Neighbours, that was how I spent every single day. And those people that did the little bits in between the shows seemed like my friends and they seemed like they were having a great time because they were just watching all the same things that I was watching and they seemed to like them. Little did I know they were adults faking it. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was specifically what I wanted to do from a very, very, very young age. And I ended up getting to do that job, which is amazing, right? How many kids get to do the thing that they set their mind out to do um when i was when i was 18 years old i was able to do that job and uh and it was good but i realized you know it was the dream of a child not of a 18 year old man um so i uh, you know I, I broadened my horizons and then moved into into other bits and bobs and i mean radio one you've been there i think 11 years is it i mean i couldn't believe quite how long you've been there now but you started off i know doing the showbiz reporting yeah, so I I used to do lots of showbiz interviews and sort of silly red carpet things for a website called Holy Moly, which was a kind of celebrity gossip website. And uh, I, I went in there trying to be the guy of video content. And um, and someone at Radio 1 saw my interviews and thought, hey, this guy knows his stuff. Let's get him in. And so Fern Cotton very kindly had me come in once a week and do some bits. And when they announced that I was going to be joining to do that, they also put in this press release, Matt's going to be covering shows and people are off as well, which they hadn't told me. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, great. I wonder when that's going to be. And about three weeks later, Sarah Cox went on maternity leave and they said, right, come and do a show. And I've been there ever since. And you can be found in the morning this week where you're covering Greg, but normally in on the weekends with, with Molly King. Yes, we do Friday, Saturday, Sundays between one and four with Molly King, formerly of the Saturdays, now of Matt and Molly. That's at least how I'm feeling it. <laughs> and sticking with the subject of radio, Matt, I understand a new podcast on the way as well from yourself. Well, I thought while we're on a podcast, people listening to a podcast might think, ah, maybe I need another podcast in my life. Absolutely. And if so, I have just the one for you. So I don't know about you, but when the first lockdown hit of 2020, cast your mind back to that traumatic time, all of my daily activities kind of ground to a halt. And I found myself bored and alone. And I thought, oh, what can I do to pass the time? And I'd had this sort of 
itch that I've been scratching for about six months, having been to a recording studio as part of my job on the radio. And I'd kind of helped make a silly song for the radio. And I've not got a background in music. I've never played an instrument. I can't sing. I can barely clap in time to a rhythm. But I watched as this producer was able to turn little thoughts in my head, little things I was humming into a song. And it felt magic. And I thought, oh, I would love to learn how to do that. And then the pandemic happened and I suddenly had loads of time. So I thought, well, maybe I'll try and write a song. Actually, maybe I'll try and write an album. Ambitious. So despite all the stuff I've just told you about not knowing what I'm doing, I slid into the DMs of 10 of my favourite pop stars and said, do you want to write a song with me? And amazingly, they all said yes. No way. And I recorded the whole thing as a podcast. It's called Not Another Love Song. And the only rule of the songwriting process is that it had to be a song that would never be about something from their lives that they would not normally write about. So we're talking things that annoy them or things that they're really passionate about okay. or hobbies they've got. And the whole podcast has 10 songs and we cover off important topics like how delicious potatoes are with Holly Humberston, <laughs> uh, CrossFit with Tom Grennan. We've done a song about a broken dishwasher with Tom Walker. Maisie Peters did one about Timothy Chalamet. Sigrid's just done one about not being able to watch TikTok. James Arthur's done one about Hay Fever. The list goes on and on. I can't remember the rest of them, uh, but there are lots of them. And the idea is we sit like you and I are now and have a chat and we find something from that conversation to write a song about. Then you hear us write the song and then I go off and to the best of my limited ability, try and turn it into a proper radio ready banger, which I then play back to them and to you guys listening at the end of the podcast. And it's an amazing journey of seeing a blank page get transformed into a song at the end, which for them, because they've not heard it, obviously, since they sent me a vocal, feels quite special. And I explain how I did it along the way. So I explain what I learned and why I made some of the decisions about the song production that I did. So if you've ever wondered about how a song's made, come and have a listen to that. Fantastic. I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out, Matt. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, thanks. Now, in terms of games, format games, is, is, is what you describe, Matt, as a hobby that's got slightly out of control during lockdown. So where did your passion for games first begin? So, I mean, I've always liked a board game, but not in an intense way. You know, okay. I've never been into the ones that have slightly um, scary front covers, which look like they could sit in a Warhammer shop. The <laughs> ones that I've always been drawn to are the ones with a bit of personality that are quite dip and out of a ball, if that's a phrase, and quite snackable. And the sort of thing that you can get out if you go to a mate's house for a curry, you could be like, oh, I played this game and I love it. And you can do it for 15 minutes and then you can keep playing it or you can not keep playing it, but you're not committed for hours. And I guess I've always liked games and I've always liked formats. You know, I have to think up a lot of games for the radio and part of the rest of my life is coming up with ideas for TV shows. And that's all kind of, you know, coming up with little formats. Um, and so I've always been drawn to the mechanics of gameplay, but I just didn't really have an outlet for it. And then uh, a couple of years ago, maybe about five or six years ago, I had this idea, which I thought was going to be a TV show, and it did end up becoming one that Len Goodman hosted called Partners in Rhyme, but it at this point wasn't a thing, um, about celebrities doing things that rhymed with their own names. So I thought, you know, George Clooney pulling a Mooney, Britney Spears using garden shears, Barack Obama, Obama, those sorts of things. And um, I thought, well, 
Well, I tried to get it commissioned as a TV show. No one wanted it. I thought, this is too good to waste. I should try and get it made into a board game. And so I, on a quite boring weekend at my in-laws, no offence, Gary and Sally, uh, but they were watching lots of sport and it's not really my thing. I thought, I wonder how many of these rhyming clues I could write. And in a weekend, I wrote 750 of them. Wow. Um, and I thought, right, I've got enough content for a game here. And so I came up with a little mechanic and, um, and pitched it to a company that was quite small at the time compared to how they are now called Big Potato, who are a brilliant games manufacturer. And, you know, they've got bags of personality in their games. And they made a bar alarm at this game and, and uh, it did really well. And I guess once you've done a thing once, you think, oh, I could do that again. And so I did. I did a couple of other games with them, maybe four or five other games that they put out. And it wasn't until sort of at the same time as making that songwriting podcast where I had some time on my hands. I thought, what am I going to do? I've got nothing going on. Oh, I know I could try and make a board game. And I like, you know, learning new things. And so using YouTube and TikTok, I learned product design and uh, made a little game called Answergrams. And I got my brother-in-law in to help me out because I'm terrible with logistics. I'm quite good at the ideas bit and the design bit, but at the do it, the getting it done bit, I'm not good at. And he said, don't worry, I can get it done. And, uh, and so, yeah, we've sort of formed this little company and uh, we sold out in about two weeks of this game. I made literally in the room that I'm talking to you from now, this little office, Answergrams. And then, as I said, once you've done it once, you think I can do it again. And so we've done more games now. So wrong, it's right, which is a kind of fun trivia game where every question has a two-word answer. So there are different ways of answering the question. Sometimes you have to answer it correctly. Sometimes you have to get it wrong completely. Sometimes you have to swap the two words around or change their first letters. It's a sort of easy quiz, but with a, a slightly challenging thing for your brain to do before you can shout out the right answer. And a game called Egg Slam, which I invented with my then four-year-old, now five-year-old, that's just how time works, daughter. <laughs> and, uh, and she and I were in the kitchen. She was doing some painting, which she loves doing. And uh, I like it when she does that too, because she's really quiet. And <laughs> I took one minute away to get a glass of water. And I heard her <gasps> from the kitchen. And I thought, oh no, what's happened here? What has happened? And I went back in and she said, dad, I've invented purple. <laughs> and she'd mixed blue and red together and she had invented purple. And I thought, oh, there's a game in that color mixing, Brilliant. surprise color mixing. Um, and so egg slams all about these rainbow birds that um, lay multicolored eggs. And you just have to be the first person at the table to spot which egg they're going to lay. It's like snap, but with color mixing. Fantastic. I know you've done it a number of times, but were there any parts of the production process for these new games that you weren't prepared for before you started? Or that were yeah, different all of it. Did. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Literally all of it. I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, James, I, I've, I've never designed anything like this before. And I didn't have the right software. My cousin is a graphic designer. And I, I phoned her up to say, look, I've, I've uh, designed this thing. She said, what did you design it in? I said, oh, I've done it in Keynote because I know how to use that, which is a bit like PowerPoint. And she said, why have you done it in that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, it's the only thing I know how to use. She said, oh, no, you need to use Illustrator in, in design. And I said, I've come too far. And so eventually I had to get Illustrator and try and convert everything from Keynote into Illustrator. And then for the second two games, I did Illustrator. But my goodness me, I've only scratched the surface of what it can do. And I'm, I'm very much finding my feet as I go. 
But yeah, I mean, so many things. We learned so many things from that first one. We couldn't, we, you know, the idea of, for Instagrams was we were going to stock it on Amazon. And Amazon were really busy because they're Amazon yeah. and it was a global pandemic and it was Christmas. And so they, they wouldn't take enough of our stock. Every time they took stock from us, it would sell out within about 10 minutes. And then we'd have to wait three days to get stock back to them. So that was a bit of a learning curve. We had to sell it on Etsy in the end. And my poor brother-in-law ended up sending out about 2,000 games in individual envelopes that he'd packaged up from his own kitchen. Um, so yeah, loads and loads of learning. My goodness me. I didn't even know that you had to design things in CMYK uh, colours. Oh, the colours, yeah. RGB colours because I didn't know what I was doing. So I designed everything in RGB, which is, for anyone who cares, the colours that you get on a computer screen, which are, have a much wider dynamic range than you would get in printing. And so I had to try and convert everything from the colours I wanted to the ones that they were actually going to be. It was The whole process, honestly, was a nightmare. I've got a game, Matt, that I play every now and again with guests on this show. And you love games, so I thought you might like to play it. I would love to. Does it have a licensable board game written all over it? Well, Do we I need to I mean, talk a deal? Listen, you're welcome to it. If you think it's good, <laughs> you're welcome to it. Um, it's obviously bad gift themed because we are the home of bad gifts. So the game is called Wrap It, Trash It, Cash It. It's very I simple. Like it. I'll explain the rules to you. So you're going to be at a virtual gift exchange, okay? You're there yes. and there's two other people. We need to decide who the two other people are. So first person is anyone of your choice, Matt. It can be a friend, a family member, celebrity. You don't have to specifically know them. It can be anyone you want. Well, let's bring Molly King from the radio because I feel like let's I know what she would want and what she wouldn't want. Fantastic. Okay, so it's you and Molly. And then I've turned my camera back on for your benefit. I've got all these cards here with different celebrities on them. So I'll deal them onto the table okay. and you say yes. stop whenever you wish. Okay. Oh, this is like a magic trick. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it a minute. Let's build up the tension. And now I'm going to say stop. It is Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I know you're not a big sports fan, but you, you'll know no. who Cristiano Ronaldo is. I'm aware of his of work, his work. <laughs> as a statue. I'm aware of the statue of his face that doesn't look like him. That's the one. Cristiano Ronaldo, you and Molly King is the party. Now, because we need some gifts, so I'm... Can I uninvite myself? Now I've, now I've heard who else is here. <laughs> I'm afraid not. But we got, we got a wheel of... I say a wheel of bad gifts. It's a list of bad gifts, Matt. And they're numbered from 1 to 35. So okay. what's going to happen is you're going to give me a number between 1 and 35. I'm going to give you the gift that's next to that number. I randomise them each time. And then okay. you've got to decide to do one of three things. You can wrap it... And if you wrap it, of course, you're going to give it to one of the people, either yourself, Molly or Cristiano. Oh, I can give it to myself. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Each person can only have one gift, though. But oh. if you don't like the gift, there are a couple of lifelines that you can only use these once, once each. So if you don't want to wrap it, you can cash it. And if you cash it, each of these gifts have a monetary value next to them and you get the cash oh. value instead. Or okay, I if, like that. if you don't like it, you can trash it. And if you trash it, you just pick another number and we pick another gift, but you can only do that once. Okay, yeah, I like it. It's um, it's a real dilemma, <laughs> but I'm ready. All right, then. If you're ready, your first number, please. 34, please. 34. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, 34 is interesting, and I'll tell you why, Matt. As, a, uh, as an employee of the BBC, you'll be well aware of EastEnders. I am. I've heard of it. And you'll be well aware of Ian Beale from EastEnders, who has been in it for, since the beginning. 
Adam Wood, yeah, what a legend. That's the guy. Well, I've got for you the unofficial 2021 Ian Beale wall calendar. Oh, it's unofficial. Okay. Now, I don't watch EastEnders. Me neither. Um, Maybe I do twice a year (laughs) if I'm forced to. Again, at my in-laws, if it's on. Um, And it's amazing, actually, just from those two episodes, you can keep up with what's going on roughly. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, So I don't have much use for a wall calendar. Also, I know every year we get given probably about four, between four and five um, Westie wall calendars because we've got a Westie and people think we'll like that. (laughs) Um, You know, if it was one, fine, but I don't need five of them. But, you know, they're not in cahoots, I don't think. so we've already got that. So I don't have any purpose for it. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Ronaldo's going to know who Ian Beale is. That's true. That's a very good and point. I, I don't and think I will. don't know that Molly's going to get much out of it. So I'm going to trash that one. That's fine. I also don't think it has a high monetary value, but maybe that's a diss to Adam Wood yet. But it is unofficial. <laughs> if it was the official one, it would go for big money. I should say all of these products that are on the list are legit. They are absolutely 100% available online. And it was £13.95. So you did you did well to trash it there. Yikes. I mean, uh, that's almost three times more than I would have paid for it. Yeah. If, even <laughs> if I was really in, unofficially into Ian Beale. Amazing. But you have now trashed the, trashed the gift, Matt, which means you've now got no choice but to do something with the three that are remaining. Does that mean that one of us doesn't get a gift at the end? No, no, it it means you all will get a gift because you'll pick three more numbers because you've trashed one. Okay, fine. There are three gifts. You have three numbers left and everybody will get a gift. Okay, thank goodness. I'll take anyone to leave empty handed. (laughs) You're such a good guy. But one one of them will be a monetary value if you choose to cash it. Yes, okay. Got it, got it, got it. I'd like 25. 25. Okay, this this is good because this sort of goes back a little bit to what you were saying about your daughter painting and uh, and and her being quiet. So this this is okay, let me explain what this is. It's the, the listing on the website is a custom awful drawing. Okay, so the oh. I, the idea is that you give this person <laughs> a photograph of something you want reproduced, but it's like intentionally awful, like it looks like something a child would do. Okay, I am going to take this and I'm going to wrap it and I'm going to give it to Molly. Yeah. Because she is a hilariously bad doodler. <laughs> and I love watching her draw. It's so funny. Uh, there have been a couple of times where I've just caught her doodling or where she's, for whatever reason, had to draw something. And it is worse than something that my five-year-old would draw. <laughs> she is, she's not gifted with the old, old doodles. So I think she would appreciate the, um, you know, the thought of this gift. Fantastic. Only £6 as well, that one. So you did well to jo- dodge the cash it on, on that particular yes, one. and I would obviously have them draw a picture of me for Molly that she could frame. Fantastic. Another number, please. Oh, let's go for, I'm going to go single digits, three. Three. Okay, three, it's an ornament, Matt, and it's it's of a hand, and all of the fingertips are candles. So it's like a big giant candlestick, but it's like made of a hand. It's in gold. Love that. I'd like it. Although Cristiano Ronaldo does have a gold statue of his head. <laughs> he does. So does he need the gold hand to go with it? Um, that is the question. 
That is the question. I mean, it sounds gaudy, and I don't want to cast aspersions here, but I suspect that might look good, or it might go with the decor in Cristiano Ronaldo's bathroom. <laughs> I love a candle, though, and the idea of there being five individual candles. Oh, yes. I mean, there's you're going to get a good... That's a good light source, isn't it? Um, I like the idea of that. That feels like something that I probably, if I saw it, I would want to buy. So I would like to take that for myself, please. You, you may wrap it for yourself. Uh, £22.50, that one. Wow. So, so not, not too expensive. So we, no. are, we are now in a bit of a conundrum, which is you've got one number left. You've got Cristiano Ronaldo. And he's going to get the money as if he needs any more. I mean, you don't have to cash it. I mean, that, that was just a lifeline. So you can indeed give him this gift if well, you wish. Let's, can, do I get to find out what it is first? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're okay, going to pick the number. Absolutely. In that case, we're going to go for number 35. Number 35. Okay. It is. Now, hear me out on this one because in, in, in its instance, it's going to sound a bit rubbish. But bear with me, Matt. Okay. So it's a beanie hat. Okay. Mm. But the beanie hat is shaped as an octopus and it's got the big octopus legs coming off of the beanie hat. So it's basically a giant octopus that you wear on your head. Okay. Now I'm glad that Cristiano Ronaldo has <laughs> got this one of all of us, because I think it's unlikely that he and I are going to hang out again, especially if I give him this as a gift. Um, I, you know, he's known for his feet, isn't he? Not for his tentacles. That's true. But maybe it's time for a rebrand. I feel like he's uh, he's known for fashion, isn't he? He yes. does all of the sponsorships with the, the brands, hasn't he? He's been in pants, I'm sure. I'm sure I've seen oh, yes. him in pants. Maybe I, I that was just right. something I No, imagine. I think you're right. I think you're right. I feel like I've seen him in his underwear. <laughs> um, so imagine how much better that would look if he was in his pants, abs out, but he also had the octopus on. He's got enough money. He doesn't, whatever it is. And I'm guessing it. ball, I think this is more expensive than I'm imagining. I'm thinking ballpark 25 pounds for this. I, he doesn't need that money, but maybe he doesn't know that he needs an octopus hat. So that's what he's getting. He's getting it. Wrapping for Cristiano. Actually, it's the most expensive item you've picked out of all four of them. It's How much? £99.55. You're joking. Pence. I'm not, Matt. I'm not. It's £99.55. Oh, my goodness me. I wonder how many sales they're making. And if it's lots, <laughs> I've gone into the wrong business. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you for playing Rap It, Trash It, Cash It. I hope you enjoyed that. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> I did. Oh my God. Matt, it's time for me to ask you, what is the worst gift you've ever been given? It's a hard one, this. It's very hard. Can I, can I only choose one? No, not at all. If, if, if there's more than one, I, I'd love to hear them. So the worst gift, and I think this is, it's going to be controversial, this, because <laughs> I feel like it's the sort of gift that if other people got it, they'd go, oh, that's, that's lovely. And obviously these things hit you at different points in your life, don't they? You know, if, I was thinking a lot back to Christmases as a kid, and I was thinking about gifts that were, at the time, very exciting, but, but actually disappointing once that initial excitement had worn off. So I'm, I'm going to give you one from my childhood and one from my adulthood. Okay. So the one from my childhood, and I remember the TV ads, and it really, it got me. It was a thing called the Python, and it was a remote-controlled car with a difference. This one had a, weirdly, I think it was a Cobra 
that was in it, but they called it the Python. It was like a snake that popped up off the back of the remote control car and you filled part of it with water. And then using the same remote control device that you were driving the car with, you could press a button and it would squirt water at the person stood in front of the car. Oh, wow. And as a kid, to me, this seemed like simply the most exciting thing I could imagine. <laughs> a remote control car with a sort of inbuilt prank. And I had an older sister. I mean, I still have an older sister. Um, and uh, and I thought that'd be amazing. I can drive this car around and, and squirt her and indeed other family members. And then on Christmas Day, classic thing, needed... It needed some kind of rechargeable battery pack, oh, no. which came sold separately, which my parents didn't have. So we didn't get that till maybe four or five days later. There was no Amazon then. And, and then when we kind of plugged it in, it had a battery life of, and I'm being kind here, six minutes. <laughs> and maybe you had to charge it for four hours, something like that. So four hours of charging, six minutes of fun. But the fun really wears off. The first time that you've popped up the old snake head and squirted someone and they say, please don't do that again. And then the fun's kind of over. Yeah. Now you've just got a bad remote control car that, uh, that, you know, has six minutes of slow action. And so I remember the feeling of the slow dawning of disappointment as I realized uh, it's not what it looked like in the advert. It's not for me. And so in terms of disappointment, even though, you know, it was theoretically a nice gift, that was the one that crushed me most as a child. I can understand that. I can see why, because it's almost like the adverts made it you know, better than it actually was. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, they have a job to do. Yeah. But, uh, and, and it worked, but, you know, I, I still, I remember how excited I was, and I now know how disappointed I was. <laughs> and, you know, those two feelings don't sit well together. And then the controversial one that I was going to say as an adult, I mean, I mean, I get given, I think, I think I get given a lot of bad gifts. My birthday is two days after Christmas. Oh, is it? And I, so firstly, very rarely do I get a gift that isn't wrapped in Christmas paper. Yeah. Almost never. But also, I think I get a lot of unwanted Christmas gifts. Oh, no. Do people do that thing as well, Matt, where they'll try and palm like one gift on you and try and say, oh, that's Christmas and birthday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The joint Christmas birthday. And if you try that with someone who's got a birthday in August, it doesn't wash. (laughs) So why does it with me? Um, I, yeah, I I feel like I get a lot of of stuff that people got two days before, (laughs) realised they didn't want, and then I'm now going to get it. But I think... The worst gift for me is a hamper. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's lovely. I'd love a hamper. What a, it's a box of mystery and surprise and everything in there is really lovely. Well, it isn't lovely if you're a fussy eater, which yes. I am. I'm with I you. I don't like jams, sauces, chutneys. I don't, oh, don't, don't make everything. Why does everything have to be a paste? <laughs> no. um, I'm, not, I'm not a cheese eater. I don't like cheeses. Me neither. I don't eat cheese. I, I don't drink alcohol, so there's always loads of booze in there. The best bit for me about a hamper is the hamper, the actual (laughs) container, because I think I can store something in this afterwards. That'd be nice. But the actual contents of a hamper, and and it's sort of a lazy way of 
saying, I thought about you because they haven't thought about you. They thought I need to spend X amount of money. I will just get some random stuff that all looks a bit posh, put it in this thing and they will like it. (laughs) But I am immune to those things, those posh things that everyone else seems to like. None of it connects to me. So every time I get given a hamper, my wife's like a vulture circling, (laughs) ready to pick out all of the bits. And I'm left with absolutely nothing from it. And so I think it's a terrible gift. And uh, because I work in a show business, people do send hampers from time to time. And I always think, oh, no, not a hamper. What am I going to do? I'm completely with you. I, I also am a very fussy eater. So I also would not eat a majority of things that end up in hampers. So I can completely relate to that. Mm, yeah. I think, you know, I think other people like the fanciness of it, but um, <laughs> it's not for me. So yeah, I would say that a hampers up there is a, as a disappointing gift. I do get given a lot of bottles of wine and champagne and stuff as well. Um, and you know, as someone who doesn't drink, that's going, that goes straight onto a re-gift. I was going to say that's easily re-giftable, isn't it? Oh my God. I just pass it straight (laughs) along. See also the candle. I will not one shape like a hand. I'd obviously keep that for myself, but, um, the more generic candle I will definitely get rid of. Matt, wrapping up, I have a couple of questions I ask everyone that comes on this show. So if you could go back to your childhood and rescue a gift that you don't have now, what would you go back and rescue? Oh, what would I rescue? A gift from my childhood. I've got a very, very, very bad autobiographical memory. So I find it quite hard to travel back in time to my childhood. But let me have a think. I mean, my main toy as a kid is still with me now. So I've okay. got him. Pippi the Pippi the koala bear. Absolutely the best thing ever. He's a mystery, actually. We don't know. We know that someone gave him to me. We don't know who, but whoever they were, they were a beautiful angel of a person because <laughs> he's remained in my life forever. What is it? What is a gift that I got as a child that I would like now? Oh, I know what it would be. It would be. I have you seen the movie Home Alone 2? I have. So there is a a gadget that was invented specifically for that movie called the talk boy ah yes the little dictaphone thing yeah it's like a cassette recorder and kevin McAllister uses it to get up to high jinks you know yes. he'll lower the pitch of his voice so he can sound like an adult etc etc and uh they when they released the movie they released the talk boy as a product and they also released the Talkboy pen, which to me just felt mind-blowing. Oh, my God, there's a microphone, a record, voice recorder in that pen. And I think it could record something like 20 seconds yeah. of audio. And that was it. But I remember thinking, this is amazing. And I got one. And oh, my God, I loved it. I loved being able to record it and then hear my voice back. It's a wonder I ended up doing what I do. Yeah. Um, but I would love that. I just think that's such a cool toy and it's got um it's got strong retro vibes to me that that movie occurred at a you know at an age where i was really into home alone and i i felt like i had part of the movie and so yeah i don't know what happened to the talk boy pen something tells me the manufacturing on it wasn't great and uh it might have uh it might have died on the early doors but i loved it and i felt extremely cool having it and finally if you could go back to the beginning of your career and give yourself a gift to help to get where you are now, what gift would you give yourself? 
God, if I could get um, some therapy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, just a little voucher for a, for a counsellor. Um, <laughs> um, what would I, what would I get myself? I'll tell you what I'd get myself. I would get myself a, um, a MIDI controller. I'd get myself a a MIDI keyboard because I discovered tinkering around with music well into my thirties. And I think, you know, if I'd have got this at 20, if someone had taken me to that recording studio at 20, I know I would have had exactly the same experience and I could be really, I could be Calvin Harris now. Yes. Think of all the albums you could have now. Rather than Ross from Friends. (laughs) Um, So I, uh, I, yeah, I would buy myself a MIDI controller and I would, I would get deep. I would learn, you know, I'd get, you couldn't get on YouTube. I don't think YouTube tutorials were on when I started, started out, but I would, you know, I'd go and find a wise old musical wizard and get them to teach me. Fantastic. And Matt, finally, where can people find out more about you, what you do? And of course the new products. Well, have you heard of the internet? It's I, have, I have. There's loads of stuff on there. <laughs> so, um, okay. So for the games, uh, I'll give you their names. And the best thing probably is just to go and look them up on Amazon. Or if you're out and about on the high street, they are in John Lewis. And Answergrams is in Waterstones and Blackwells and some other places as well. So they are Answergrams, which is spelled A-N-S-A-G-R-A-M-S. So it's like Answergrams, but Anagrams, but with the S in there. Um, and that is a fun little quiz where you get five questions. You have to write down the first letter and then you get a kind of countdown conundrum at the end with those five letters where you have to unscramble them to make a word. It's good fun. Uh, then there's a game called So Wrong It's Right, which you can just tap into Amazon and find it. Or if you've got kids, Egg Slam, which I guarantee will be brilliant and you know will replace Snap and Donkey and Dobble and Uno in your life. Uh, and then... You know, you can listen to me on the radio and the pod, the podcast. Let me direct you to that. It's called Not Another Love Song. And search that way you're listening to this. And it'll be launching at the tail end of 2021. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to that. Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you here. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it, James. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks again for listening to this episode of You Really Shouldn't Have. Be sure to subscribe to us on your chosen podcast service to make sure you never miss another episode. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bad Gifts Pod, as well as online at badgiftspod.com.